Have you ever had someone refer to something going on in the community who asked you, what's going on there? What's the story with all that? The right answer lies with the people directly involved in it, the people who know. Why not hear their story? So welcome to What's the Story, Pekin? I'm Gary Gillis, your host, and I hope you enjoy this Pekin podcast. Well, today's podcast is a continued conversation with uh, Pekin icon Jim Deverman. We've talked a little bit about his participation in the uh, funeral procession, the state funeral for late President John F. Kennedy, uh, what it was like growing up here in Pekin and how he became a successful uh, Pekin businessman. Uh, but there's kind of a sidebar, another story. It is related to the Kennedy assassination. Uh, many people, I'm sure everyone is familiar with the Sapruder film, which was the only visual film documentation of the assassination and the, uh, the death of the president uh, uh, himself. Uh, there's a story to how the um, film was acquired, and it was acquired by a Pekinite, uh, Dick Stolle, who... Uh, Jim knew and knew very well, and so I'm asking, I asked Jim to share a little bit about uh, Dick Stolle. The little sidebar to that is that uh, Stolle was one of, if not the first, to contact the Sapruder. Um, he was with the Los Angeles Bureau of Life magazine at the time. Uh, upon the assassination, he quickly headed to Dallas. He uh, contacted uh, Mr. Sapruder, and uh, Sapruder was entertaining offers other journalists of course when they found out he had this film uh and um Sapruder said uh i will talk with you but i'll meet you at my business in the morning and Sapruder thought you know what uh, most journalists would be pushy and uh say no i want it right now but he said yes sir i'll meet you in the morning and Sapruder said he appreciated that and he gave the business and jim i hope i'm not stealing your thunder but he gave the business, uh, the film he sold to Life Magazine and Dick Stolle because he was a gentleman. Those were Sapruder's words. And that speaks to someone from Pekin yeah. who had, and, and uh, Stolle said, it was the smartest decision I ever made in my career, oh, yeah. you know, uh, basically acquiescing to Mr. Sapruder's request and the next day waiting till that. So, um, Jim, you knew him uh, before he became famous in that capacity. So tell me a little bit about that. Yes, uh, Dick Stolle uh, was about 11 years ahead of me uh, working at the Pekin Times, uh, also as a student uh, at, at the Pekin High School, uh, West Campus. And uh, uh, he would... Uh, he was set to be a, a journalist, uh, no doubt about it. Uh, he used to tell me he would stand by the teletype machine in the office at the Pekin Times. Uh, if he wasn't working on an article, he would just be glued to that teletype machine, and the teletype machine ran continuously 24 hours a day, and he loved being on top of any news that came across. He just thought that was the the best thing, really. He just really, really enjoyed that. Uh, uh, let's see. He went uh, from Pekin after he graduated from high school. Uh, he went to Northwestern University uh, and graduated from that and was hired by the Chicago Sun-Times as a reporter. And it wasn't too many more months after that 
that uh, he got a call from uh, Life magazine uh, interested in talking to him. So he met with them and was hired by them. He, he uh, quit working at the newspaper and uh, went to work for Time Life. Uh, he was the bureau chief, uh, as, as you said, in Los Angeles when Kennedy was assassinated. Uh, he got a call from the home office in New York and his instruction was to get your fanny to Dallas as fast as you can with two photographers and see what you can find. So um, in Dallas, he got connected with what they call a stringer. A stringer is a person that is, is a journalist, basically a news person, uh, not working full time for whoever had them there. Uh, but uh, uh, on top of articles and, and stories that, of course, the, the assassination was a big time story for the stringer. So he called the stringer on the phone when he got into Dallas and he said, uh, you know, I'm, I'm here to, to help out. He said, is there anybody that you think I can contact that might have had uh, been at the scene of the assassination or whatever? And she said, well, she heard by the grapevine there was a, a policeman uh, for the Dallas Police Department, I think a motorcycle type of guy, uh, and that there was a, a guy by the name of Zapruder who had an eight millimeter camera uh, and he was up on the grassy knoll and had a, a wonderful vantage point vision-wise to uh, see everything that happened uh, with the assassination. And so uh, she said, uh, you might see if you can locate this Zapruder guy. So he went to the phone, uh, phone, um, phone book in Dallas, and sure enough, there's uh, Abraham Zapruder uh, listed. And so by this time, it's like, uh, I don't know, three o'clock in the afternoon, probably Dallas time, four o'clock, somewhere along in there. Uh, he, so Dick uh, tried to call about every 15 minutes, no answer, no answer, no answer. Finally, at 11 o'clock at night, he hears this voice and it's Abraham Zapruder and Abraham says, uh, or, or Dick started the conversation, said, uh, were you at the assassination scene? Yes. Did you have a camera? Yes. Did you shoot pictures with your camera? Yes. And he, and he said, eight millimeter camera, film? Yes. He said, have you seen the film? Yes. He said, uh, and, and I was amazed how he would have seen it that quick, but apparently there was a, a processing firm outside of Dallas, not too far out of the city, mm -hmm. where they would do things sure. like this. So uh, Dick said, uh, okay. I, he said, uh, uh, can, I, can I see the film now? He said, no, no. He said, I'm tired. I'm exhausted. He said, I, I just want to be left alone. He said, I'll tell you what, he said, why don't you come to my office at 9 right. o'clock in the morning? Mm -hmm. So Dick is all excited and thanks him for the phone call, and he's laying there wide awake, I'm sure. 
And he said, you know, if I found Abraham's Zapruder that easily, think of all the Peter Jennings of the world. And sure, all the others. Rather, and all these other guys, they're going to do the same. So instead of going at nine, he went at eight. Mm-hmm. All right? And um, so Zapruder let him in. And Zapruder was a seamstress. It was just a small little office. I think there was one other person there, another another guy. And, uh, and, and I don't know if there's any other employees at that point in time, maybe not at 8 o'clock. But anyway, uh, uh, so Zapruder invites him in, and it's just a, a small little office with white walls, and he's got this uh, projector set up, 8-millimeter projector, and... Uh, so so Dick is looking at this film and he said, my God, he said, this is incredible. He mm-hmm. said, it's to himself, he said, I'm not leaving here without a copy of that film. So I asked him, he said, did you make extra copies of this film? Anyway, there's three copies. But So anyway, uh, and sure enough, as they're sitting there talking, people are banging on the front door. Sure. They went in, these other photographers, other uh, reporters. So it's making him very nervous as a as a person caught up in something he was never thought he would be caught up in. So uh, Dick's starting to negotiate money-wise, and Dick said, "You you probably have something here that that's really really rare." He said, "We we normally start down here at, for a thousand dollars and and." But he said, I, I think we could probably go more than that. So I think his next offer was 5000 And Zapruder's just going. Shaking his head. No. 10000 No. 20000 30 40 In the meantime, knocks on the front yeah. door, getting louder and louder. Yeah. And they're, they're even yelling from outside, don't, don't, get, don't give out anything. Yeah. Don't, don't yeah. give anything away. So uh, they got up to 50000 and Dick said, I'm sorry. I, he said, I am not authorized to go any higher in this. Well, Zapruder is getting really nervous. He, he's not used to being like this. So he said, okay, okay. He said, I'll, I'll, I'll go with that 50000 So, uh, So Dick, using Zapruder's own little Smith Corona typewriter that he had in his office, Put in a white sheet of paper, and made a bill of sale. Sure, a bill right of, there. Yeah, a bill of sale. <laughs> Good thinking. Yeah, and uh, and then uh, uh, I uh, Abraham's approved to hereby grant to da 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 da, da. Um, and so then uh, he had Zapruder sign it, and then Zapruder, the other gentleman who was there, and I don't know what his capacity was, but he also signed it. So there's two people that signed off on this thing. So he's getting ready to leave. He he has the pruder agreed to give him one of those films, and he's getting ready to, to leave out the front door. And the pruder said, "Oh my God!" And he said, "No, no, no." He said, "Go go back here, my other entrance." He said, "They're they're going to rip you apart yeah, and get their imagine. hands on that." Sure. So then the next day, uh, after Dick uh, authorized again uh, through his boss in New York, uh, they went back and and he bought. Uh, well, I don't know what you call it, television rights or yeah. video rights, I guess. Yeah. 
and and I think I think they may have gone another fifty thousand on that. I read that uh, according to Wikipedia, as as uh, through as they are or aren't, said that a week later they settled on one hundred and fifty thousand for okay. all rights. So it must okay. have been you know not only film but other, yeah. other story and that type of thing. Yeah. So, yeah. but he was not authorized, as yeah. you said, to go over fifty. So. Yeah. Yeah. So so then um, the uh, Life magazine had already gone to press, uh, and there were, I don't know, and I, and I don't know their circulation back then, but there were hundreds of thousands of Life magazines printed with no, nothing in there about Zapruder. Mm -hmm. So the, the big boys in New York said, Stop the presses. Yeah, you know, we're going to replace all that. And was, you know, you know, we're going to redo this thing. So then he had this this plane. I'm, I'm not sure if if New York's in a plane to pick up the film, but the film is on its way. Yeah, on its way. Yeah, yeah. And and then uh, that was uh, of course in November. Uh, and so I'm going to skip ahead here a little bit now because. Uh, Dick Stolle, because he's thought so much of the Pekin Times over the years, and his mother was still living at the time here in Pekin. Uh, they had a nice big house on Buena Vista, mm -hmm. uh, almost up to the Hergen Mansion sure. on the hill, okay. on the left side as you're going toward the mansion. Mm -hmm. And actually, it's right behind Washington Junior sure. High School. So um, that house, by the way, historically, a little his history trivia, is the only house in Pekin that can be traced back to the time of Abraham Lincoln oh my being here. I mean, all the other structures and edifices at the time are all gone, but that's yeah. the only structure. So when you mentioned that, I knew yeah, exactly terrific. what you're talking about. Yeah, that's yeah. terrific. It's a neat house. Yeah. Uh, right after the assassination, well, that was in, in November, um, Dick Stolle, uh came to the Pekin Times and just to stop in to say hello to F.F. F. McNaughton, the publisher mm -hmm. back then. Uh, and he appreciated his opportunity to do what he did at the Times and move on to bigger and better things. But anyway, I'm in the dark room at the Times, working for the Times at that point still. And uh, it's on the third floor of the Times building. And the dark room is upstairs. So as I'm going down, well, McNaughton, uh, buzzed me in the dark room and said, Jim, uh, Dick Stolle's coming in, and we want to do a story on him with his involvement in the Kennedy assassination. Sure. All right. And he said, uh, I'd like for you to, to come down and get a photo of some kind. So as I'm going down the steps, I'm thinking, I don't want to just shoot a mugshot of him or something like that. I said, there's got to be something more interested. And I was just about, about ready to say, Jim, I can't think of anything better to Anyway, I go down, and on McNaughton's desk is this Life magazine with mm -hmm. all those little pictures sure. of the assassination. Right, I remember that. Right? So I said, Dick, would you mind just sitting in the chair here? And I'm going to show you that picture here in a second. Uh, he said, no problem. So he's holding the magazine up, and I took a picture. And uh, the, the article, I think, took place, I think, the next day in the Pekin Times with my picture. He's holding the magazine. 
after we used it in the paper, I, I made, I think, two or three extra copies, okay? One for mm -hmm. myself, just kind of an historical value, I guess. And, and I sent, uh, mailed one to, to Dick Stolley in New York. And he wrote me a note back and said, Jim, I really appreciate the photo and, and so forth and so on. And every time he would come back to Pekin, uh, even before this, he was, he was, you know, going around making, making speeches and what have you, and, and, you know, involved in so many different things. His, his whole life was very interesting. By the way, he was a, he was a twin to James. Did you know he had twin brother? I did not know that. Yeah, no. same, same age. His name was, uh, was James, uh, and he, he was very successful in his life. He became uh, the uh, the plant manager uh, for a, a company, uh, and I don't know what you call the water between the United States and Canada. Uh, but anyway, there was a there was a plant there that made paper, okay, for printing purposes, mm -hmm. and uh, he became uh, the head guy of that operation oh. before he retired. Uh, their father, by the way, was the uh, the superintendent of Quaker Oats plant. Did you know that here oh, in Pekin, down on Second no. Street? Uh -huh. Yeah, yeah. So it was a uh, a very uh, very active family. Well, uh, Dick Stolle went on to become the founding editor of People Magazine, People which magazine. And then eventually yeah. went back and became editor for all print or magazines of, of Life magazine. Yeah, they referred to it as the uh, uh, Time Incorporated. Right. Yeah, Time Incorporated. Right. Headquartered in New York in the change or the end of the century. Uh, the year what, 19... Yeah, they, they did some special edition at the end of the 20th century. Yeah, yeah, yeah there, there you go. 1999 or 2000. Yeah, so anyway... Uh, I got I got a call from, uh, of course, uh, Time Life. Uh, they wanted permission to use my photo of mm -hmm. Dick Stolle holding that. Sure. And I said sure, and and they said that uh, uh, we we can't pay you, but we can give you a photo credit. Sure. And I said okay, I want one thing, and these were coffee table books. Sure. Like this. Brought one with you today. All right. And, and I'm sure the library has one or two copies for sure. Okay. So anyway, uh, I said, I want, I want a photo credit in there someplace. Well, the photo credits, <laughs> well, first of all, let me show you the photo. Uh, Time Life uh, came out with two or three of these somewhat similar in coverage. You can see the picture right there. Yeah, there's my shot. I've seen that number of different places. Okay. So, so at the turn of the century, I get a call from Time Life, and they say, we have this photo here, and it's got your name on the back of it, and we would like to use it, and they explain how they wanted to use it. Mm -hmm. And I said, okay, but I need a photo credit, and I need a copy of the book. Sure. No problem. So less than a week later, I get a, I get a, a call from uh, Peter Jennings, CBS, right? Mm -hmm. New York? Yep. All right. Uh, and same request they had. Now, I don't know if Dick made extra copies of that because I only sent him one print. So maybe he had it copied. But anyway, they had this same photo. And they said, yeah, I, 
it's got your name on the back of it. Da, 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 da. You wow. know? I'm thinking, oh, oh cool. really? Yeah. yeah. So then they sent a book. So mm-hmm. I've got I've got three different books in my office now, and uh, I wanted to show you the uh, the credit line on this thing. Okay. Well, anyway, here it is. Photo by Jim Deverman. There you go. Huh? All right. Not big print, but it's you know, there nonetheless. Uh-huh. It's, a, it's archived. It's a piece yeah. of history. And it's about what uh, four point type or something like that. Pretty tiny. Yeah. So. Well, I'm sure there's copies can be had. I think on the internet uh, as well as here at the oh. Pekin Library, they'll have copies. Or okay, people could stop into Deverman Advertising and request to see it as well. Yeah. Now here's here's the thing too. I didn't realize this until oh. Was it yesterday? Went down the time or to my office and and went to check on some of the things that you and I are mm-hmm. going to be talking about here today. In the obituaries, if you go to uh, Google, if you okay, go to Google, Google right. and and you put in there uh, Dick Stolle, uh life slice time or whatever, uh, it's got everything about Dick Stolle. Mm-hmm. My picture, this picture is in his obituary sure you know so the circle just keeps going you know well another another claim to fame for for (laughs) jim deverman so jim thank you very much for sharing that story and um i know dick stolly has passed he passed at 92 a few years back uh but again a part of uh pekin's history pekin's story and uh, uh another claim to fame of a local kid made made good and made history so Jim, again, thank you. Thank you for listening today. Thank you again to the uh, Pekin Library for providing the space, to Mike Eaton, uh, my sound guy, and thank you for being part of another Pekin story today. Have a great day.